0: If you have your blue Bibles with you, which you might be able to find underneath the seat in front of you, this is on page 1092. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight.
1: I love the singing this morning. Did you enjoy it? I think we need to do a lot of this in our morning services, hymns and uh, choruses. Is it well with your soul, folks? Since your sins are uh, nailed on the cross and that burden has been taken away from your shoulders, yes, indeed, it is well with us soul. Well, some months ago, um, my family and I we went back to Sri Lanka, and, um, and that was a big move for us, because um, I hadn't been back for 30 years, and it was the first time for the children. I mean, we didn't go back for numerous reasons, I mean, the experience that we had just before leaving was very unpleasant, uh, we were in the middle of a riot, houses were burned, we escaped with our lives. I mean, you know, there were several shots at us, and um, all this was very unpleasant. So, on numerous occasions, whenever we left to go on holidays or whatever, it was always at the back of our mind. We, we really should go to Sri Lanka, but I had this major, you know, mental block, and eventually overcame it, and we went. And we landed in the early hours of the morning. And I must say, I had all this fear within me, but as soon as I landed it, it all sort of disappeared. It all looked normal, like the Sri Lanka I once knew. And a few hours later, um, we visited our church, the church that I grew up in, uh, was converted, was baptized, and it was an absolutely awesome experience. again reconnecting with all these people that I knew and, and, and very much loved. And I had the opportunity to preach again in that church where it all started as a teenager and it was the same pulpit 30 years later and all that was real, really amazing. And um, the services are very different to what we are used to here. It goes for two and a half hours. It's long, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, every service has a communion, and during the communion, people uh, are encouraged to pray. And uh, during that time, people actually kneel, whoever who can, and the others may sit on the floor. Of course, the older ones would, you know, you know, sit in the chair, on a chair or whatever. And the whole thing takes about 45 minutes. And it was interesting to look at my children and uh, see that. Them going through this ritual that you know they were not used to, and um, and later we drove to the neighborhood. Um, and the last time I saw the neighborhood, our house was burning, and uh, we had hidden in our neighbor neighbor's place for two two days. To you know, when I say hiding, it was really hiding. There were people looking to you know get rid of us, and um, we went back. Uh, our old house had been built and we knocked on our neighbor's door and these people were very friendly. Uh, I mean we've been very close for several years and as soon as we knocked all these people came running out with a lot of hugs, a few tears and we basically started where we left off. And I was amazed to find that A couple of them had become Christians. Uh, You know, know, one of the ladies had become a Christian. And um, they specifically mentioned my father's witness. Um, You know, him being a faithful man. and, um, And also the fact that my grandmother was saved and baptized at the age of 83 years. So this was a very, very sort of pleasant time for us. But growing up in Sri Lanka, one of the things that I became used to or saw very regularly were all these paganistic rituals and practices. I mean, one particular situation really stands out. This, This tooth, a tooth relic of the Buddha was being transferred from India to Sri Lanka. So... A public um, holiday was sort of announced, so everyone got a day off. And all these intelligent people, politicians, you know, various other prominent people had the front seat during this event. And they were worshipping right flat on the ground, you know, prostrating themselves and worshipping this little piece of enamel, calcium phosphate. And uh, there they were, worshipping this tiny piece of enamel. And the contrast was so obvious to me of what all these people believed in and what I believed. Here they were, you know, worshipping a piece of tissue. And friends, we have an empty grave, an empty tomb, and a risen saviour. They worship someone who's dead and gone. No life. And we worship a risen Savior. Amen? It's a huge difference. Massive difference. And that is the message. And that is what we have in our gospel. So before we turn and look at this uh, chapter, let me just quickly lead us in prayer. Father, as we look at your word this morning. We ask that you would give us open hearts, teach us this morning, impress upon us what you want to impress. Lord, speak through me this morning. Help me be honest with your word. We ask in the risen Savior's name. Amen. I mean, one of the books that I like to sort of read often is the book of Acts. Another book, is the book of Romans, wonderful books. When you look at the book of Acts, you can call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Where God uses ordinary men and women... Fishermen, very ordinary people, to achieve extraordinary things by the enabling and power of the Holy Spirit. This is the finest record of any missionary enterprise. If you look at chapter 1 and verse 15, there was a group numbering about 120 people. In the next chapter, it grew to 3,000 people at the Pentecost, where the first church was established. Chapter 4 talks about this group growing to 5,000 men. So there were women and children. Chapter 5 multitudes coming to know the Lord. A church, believers, All this kept growing. There was this exponential growth of the gospel through Judea, Samaria, the Gentile world, and the ends of the earth as God had commanded. And one central theme that you cannot escape as you read the book of Acts, even if you really try hard to, you can't escape this, and that is about evangelism and mission. And as someone prayed this morning, as um, Alexandra prayed this morning, we are going through a revisioning program. And through our many conversations, one of the main things that is coming up is that all of us want to see a a really effective outreach from this church, impacting our neighborhood and impacting beyond. And that's really encouraging because this is what God wants us to do. I mean, you also read about prayer in Acts. Before any significant mission enterprise, there were people praying. A really good lesson for us this morning as we look to revision and outreach and impact. There was powerful gospel preaching in the book of Acts. There was giving, there was suffering. There was great Christian victory. And if you talk about Christian victory, there was also defeat. So the whole lot of stuff in the book of Acts, but one unescapable theme is that of evangelism and mission. And friends, I believe the key verse in the entire book is the book of, I mean in chapter 1 and verse 8, where the Lord looks at his disciples and says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here was the Lord Jesus Christ almost 40 days after his resurrection, before the clouds take him away. He looks at his disciples, the chosen ones, the ones whom he had invested all this time, three and a half years, They have been very much a part of his life on this earth. And these were the group of men on many occasions had let him down. And he looks at them and says, You will be my witnesses. To be his witness. A witness is a person who is present at a particular event. They either saw something or they heard something and are able to give an account of it. So a witness in a court goes there and tells before the judge what they heard or saw. The disciples witnessed Jesus. He witne- they witnessed his life. They knew he was real. They touched him. They ate with him. They spent those three and a half years with him. They saw him in the garden of Gethsemane. They saw him in front of Pilate. They saw him being crucified. They saw him dead. And they saw him resurrected in those 40 days. As this passage says on many occasions. And these disciples were to bear his witness of these events. Friends, you and I, as Christians this morning, by faith, we believe that the Son of God came and lived amongst men. And that was a real event. That was real. That the Son of God became man. We believe by faith that He died for our sins. We believe He rose again. For your sins and my sins. And defeated sin and death. And we accepted Jesus. And we've been renewed. We know that. Because God the Holy Spirit lives in us. We know that for real. And we are witnesses to this. So the Lord charges us this morning. To be his witness. To go with this gospel that is real to you. And share it with others. We have been called to be his witnesses. Peter told all those gathered at Jerusalem. About what he knew about Christ. And the Holy Spirit was poured amongst them. And 3,000 men, women and children became Christians. Philip told what he knew about Jesus. To that Ethiopian eunuch. And he became a Christian. Friends, we are to tell the lost people of the one who came to save. We are to tell them about this miraculous birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his impending return. And we are to tell these people that Jesus is the only way. There's no other way but Jesus. So what does he say? I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way but Jesus. And we are to do this witnessing at home, at school, at university, hospitals, wherever we are. Go and be his witness. And that's what the Lord charges us this morning. There are a couple of important things that I would like you to note in that particular verse, or in that little segment where it says, And you will be my witnesses. The Lord says, You will. He doesn't say, You could. Or if you feel like it, or if you feel up to it, or if you think that you have the right ability or strength, he says, you will be my witnesses. It's not a feeble request, friends. It's a command. It's not optional. And this command cannot be any clearer. There's no ambiguity about this at all. And this is for all Christians. Please also note that he says, you will be my witnesses. So Jesus is not merely talking about witnessing. Did you get that? Being a witness is about Christ living in you through his spirit and living his life through you. The apostle Paul got that. When he said, since I have been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. A life that is changed. Increasingly Christ-like. And this life speaks louder than a thousand words. Friends, I can tell you for sure, there's no witnessing if the life does not match the talk. You can go out and thump the Bible as hard as you like and talk as much as you want, but if your life doesn't back this up, you can put all this away. Let me just ask you a question. I mean, how many of you find witnessing easy? Do you do you find easy rocking up to someone in the shopping center or at school and say, hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus and go for it. I guess some do more than others. I mean, this is what Christine does and Jeff and Beth do all the time. And perhaps some of you do all the time. I mean, I don't find that easy. I don't find it really easy rocking up to someone and saying, now look here, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. It is a challenge. I think fear holds us back, don't you? I think fear holds us back from sharing the word of God readily. We fear the response of people. What will they say? Or will they just reject and run away? We fear ridicule. We fear public opinion. We fear that we may not have the right words. Will we just mumble something or would we actually have a plan? And will we have the right answers when these people come and ask us questions? I'll tell you friends, it's a lot easier talking about Christ from this pulpit than going to someone and starting to talk about Christ. But look what this verse says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. This power to witness comes from the Holy Spirit. The disciples saw this in a dramatic way when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Friends, the great news is the Holy Spirit is still here. And you might ask, where? And I think you know the answer. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. Turn with me to that, please. Look at this. Wonderful words. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. So we are all like little temples running around with the Holy Spirit living in us. The Holy Spirit is in you. His power is not muted. It's the same Holy Spirit that was poured out in Jerusalem amongst those people 2,000 years ago. And that same Holy Spirit is in you. And we are to witness in His power. And look at what Jesus says about the main ministry of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to John chapter 15... Verses 26 and 27. So when the counselor comes. Whom I will send to you from the father. The spirit of truth who goes out from the father. He will testify about me. And you also must testify. For you have been with me from the beginning. So the main job of the Holy Spirit is to testify about Jesus. Our main job is to testify about Jesus. It's a shared ministry between God the Holy Spirit and the believer testifying about the Lord Jesus Christ. So friends, when we freak out, when we get really scared about witnessing, and as we step out in faith, Let's remember, we are not on our own. We step out with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus tells his disciples to be his disciples, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The scope is huge. The Bible tells us the harvest is plentiful. Also reminds us that the laborers are few. The scope is local. Yes, we want to outreach to our local community. We want to see all these people walk by on Sunday, come into this church and know, know Christ. We want to be regional. And yes, we need to open our eyes further and look beyond into the various mission fields. Our church over a long period of time has been very faithful in this and has been greatly blessed by what's it been doing in a a more sort of wider way, well into the various mission fields. So after the Lord said all this, something amazing happens as he was talking to them he's taken up and these disciples must have been absolute awe looking at the Lord Jesus Christ just ascending into the heavens and into the clouds and two men dressed in white come and stand beside them perhaps angels and look at verse 11 they say men of Galilee they said Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The King James Version puts it even better. Why stand ye gazing into the heavens? Probably with their mouth dropped, looking at something that they have never seen before. Perhaps two or three of them did at the ascension. But a whole lot of them hadn't seen this before. The time had come for the disciples now, friends, to stop gazing and obeying their Lord. They had to do something. They had to leave Mount Olives and take themselves to Jerusalem. And great things were to happen through these people. Awesome things. Their life would never be the same again. The time for us also has come to stop gazing and obeying our Lord. The time had come for the disciples to stop gazing and start fulfilling their commission. The Lord told them to be his witnesses. The first church was formed. There was this amazing outreach program through them. And this work is still continuing. Through other disciples. Through missionaries. Through local preachers. Through pastors true, normal people who go about their business. And this wonderful passage ends with a promise. And this is an important promise. The men look at these disciples and say, the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into the heavens. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be a real event. Many, many, many prophecies in the Bible have been fulfilled. And the prophecies around the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is yet to be fulfilled. Many, I mean, as you read the Bible, you'll find that people even at that time... We're looking for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of this time, people have become really complacent. It's, it's right at the back of their mind, right, right somewhere hidden. It is really not at the forefront. And these people were asked to witness in light of what was going to happen. One day the Lord Jesus Christ was going to come. But let's remember that 2,000 years when compared to eternity doesn't even register on the radar God is not bound by time could the second coming happen tomorrow would it take another 2,000 years well I don't know I'm sure you don't know but God knows That's what the Bible says. And also, Jesus reminds his disciples, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his authority. So what do you and I do in the meantime? We have it in his word, to be his witnesses, to be his witnesses. Friends, there's one particular point in time that all of us will need to give an account of what we've been up to. And that can come any time. The other day I had a a family in my rooms at, at work and this was a family that was absolutely distraught. Um, they were watching their youngest son play rugby. And he was running about normally, a nice, fit young man, well built, as most rugby players are. He runs and drops. And they were unable to revive him. He was only 17 years old. And he had a very rare cardiac condition. So this family was here to see me to see whether there are other children. And the parents had the same problem. Unfortunately, none of them did. We really don't know how long we've got, do we? We may be as healthy and fit as ever, strong as an ox, but you never know. I think we ought to finish this morning with one question. Are we truly ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ? Is our life aligned to the gospel? Have you been playing with this and not really tackling the main issue of our own salvation? Have you been telling ourselves, I've got time, I've got plenty of time because I'm young, I'm fit, I do all these exercises, so I'm fit. So I'll I'll delay that decision. I'll tell you, you can't afford to delay this decision. Today is the day that you need to make up your mind and say, yes, I'm with the Lord. I'm going to commit my life to the Lord. If you're a Christian, have you been doing what the Lord Jesus has been asking us to do, to be his witness I'll tell you, many of us are probably ready to die because of our own condition, being saved. But we may be ashamed to die because of our poor witness. I think the challenge is here before us to put all these things right. So we're going to bow our heads in prayer. Just going to give you half a minute to just... Just look inward and ask yourselves as to where you stand with the Lord Jesus Christ.